Even before the birth and subsequent death of Jesus Christ, people were playing football. The rules weren't quite the same as today, but there was evidence that during the Han Dynasty in China of people playing Kuju, a game which involved kicking a ball towards a net without using your hand. Sound familiar? Throughout history, many cultures and groups of people played variations of games that are similar to modern-day football. But it wasn't until the mid-19th century that a group of English people would get together, make the official rules, and take credit for it. There was some debate among the early architects. Can you carry the ball? Can you obstruct other players by kicking them in the shins? As the rules were finalized, some factions, upset with the direction of the sport, made their own, and rugby was born. But the rest held together and formed the Football Association and published their set of 13 rules. They also created a tournament, the Football Association Challenge Cup, to find the best team in England at their newly codified game. This tournament, which you might better know as the Emirates FA Cup, is not the oldest football tournament ever. That would be the Udan Cup, also played in England, which predated the FA Cup by four years. But the Udan Cup only happened once in 1867, whereas the FA Cup has run continuously since its inception in 1871, making it the oldest national football competition in the world. With a nearly 60-year head start of competitive footballing before the creation of the World Cup, you'd assume that England would have been head and shoulders above everybody else on the world stage. And they might have been in those early years, but due to a dispute about paying athletes, England did not participate in the first three World Cups. But even when they did enter, being a top side was no guarantee of success. Based on ELO ratings, England has been a top 10 squad in every single World Cup they've entered, and a top 5 squad in a staggering 13 of them, yet only have two top 5 finishes. The country which invented the sport has only made the World Cup finals a single time, their famous home victory in 1966. In the intervening 50 years, they have only a single fourth-place finish to show for all of their infrastructure, talent, and pride. Will 2018 finally join 1966 as another famous year in the storied history of English footballing, or will it continue the 50-year trend of misfortune and disappointment? This week on Joe Picks a World Cup Team, England. States no football, but not football, it seems. So now he needs a surrogate. Dan will help him look for it. They'll have decisions to make, like how much genocide's a deal break. Joe picks a World Cup team. He's crossing borders to find out who's for him. What more could you ask for? It's time to stamp your Joe picking passport. So grab your bottle and pour. Let's hope he doesn't start a war. Dan. How's it going, man? Good, Joe. What do you think of that intro? It was it was it was certainly long. Uh no, it was <laughs> that's, it was, that's it what was, you got for me? No, it was it was very informative. I mean look. I'm sure we're going to talk about it a ton tonight, but this is England, like the perennial underachievers of the World Cup. The, I mean, dare I say, potentially the San Diego Chargers of the World Cup. 
It might be, but it, it was if if football was invented in San Diego by like the first coach of the San Diego Chargers. Right. No, it's true. It's it it it's the Chargers in terms of underachieving, but not necessarily the char like like the degrees are different because the Chargers no one ever thought would be that good. Yeah, yeah. It would be like if the Green Bay Packers had you know, obviously they won the first two Super Bowls, and if they had been like mediocre for like the past thirty years, right? Or, or even like, um, you know, we talked in the football podcast about how all of the Patriots Super Bowl victories have been so, by such slim margins. Had they lost all those Super Bowls, you'd be like, well, you know, everyone thinks that they're great and they're going to win, but but they never do. Yeah, yeah. But uh, anyways, the reason I talk about that intro and how good it was <laughs> was because Joe, I'm putting. The, the finish line is in sight here. I mean, we're doing two teams tonight. We have four more left. Every team we're doing is interesting and powerhouse. So I, I want to I, I put in a lot of time on this, but also because, Joe, our listener numbers are just are blowing up. This podcast, it is very clear that people are just going into the iTunes store. They're searching World Cup. They're seeing... The, the wonderful logo, Joe picks a World Cup team, and they're listening to it. Because our last episode like had 50% more downloads within the first few days than any episode we've ever had. And it's only growing, Joe. So I think it's a little bit like Breaking Bad. How like you know Breaking Bad wasn't popular at first, and then they put out all their episodes on Netflix. And then by the last season, it was like hugely popular because everyone had caught up finally. Yeah. Except for the, no, nobody has any chance of catching up. Well, and also our quality is much lower than Breaking Bad's. Well, yes, but not on that intro. That was a great intro. Uh, but I mean, it's exciting. We finally, I mean, the funny thing is, I think both you and I are sick of the podcast. And you were mentioning before, you're on the road right now. You're, you're in, a in a hotel room. I'm in a hotel in Olympia. I just came from a hotel in Aberdeen, Washington. Uh, the hometown of uh, Kurt Cobain, oh. FYI. Well, there you uh, go. And I, I was there for un-Kurt Cobain-related reasons. Uh, and we'll be in a hotel tomorrow night as well. Wow. <laughs> Sounds delightful. So you're, you're in perfect position to bring your A-game for these two unbelievable powerhouse teams. I mean, storied teams uh, well, one more story than other. The, the team we're doing right now, England, just, I mean, they literally, uh, looking at the data, which is really interesting, I mean, I knew they invented it, you know, or, or supposedly took credit for it, but they were, England and Scotland were the two best soccer teams in the world, or football teams in the world, and I also learned where the word soccer came from. It's like a shorthand on association On association, football. yeah, on associated football, yeah, exactly, yeah. Until basically from, you know, the late... 19th century all the way until like 1920 the best two teams in the world were always either england or scotland but then the game sort of expanded and i mean england really did miss their shot in those first few world cups i mean they would have had a real chance but just didn't enter them and then you know as we'll we'll talk about a little later the it i mean it's just fascinating team fascinating history and and what a fascinating 2018 World Cup in store. So this is going to be really exciting. And I think there's a lot to talk about with England. And we could have done this episode at any... I mean, like this would have been a good kickoff episode or whatever. But, you know, I think the interesting thing about England is that me and I think so many other Americans, you know, our our year-round football watching 
is dominated by the Premier League. Yeah. And, um, you know, I mean, certainly there are American fans who are found fans of the Spanish League or Bundesliga. Um, but Look, you've got to be a Dortmund fan, of course, but other than that. Well. Uh, Real Madrid, know, of course, for my birthday not, buddy. Not once they uh, sell, sell Pulisic to uh, Tottenham this summer, which is going to happen. Oh, my God. That would be unbelievable. It's it's a it's a real rumor. If that um, happened, the Reddit they better lock just like we're locking the Joe Pick subreddit for these un- influx of new people, which we have to give some derogatory name. But the like Tottenham Hotspur fandom in the United States is going to be like it's going to increase by like a factor of ten. My my head would explode. It would. It's like such a confluence of things. But um, but uh, you know. All that being said, Premier League is is the is 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 the most football that I watch by a factor of like a thousand because I because the MLS is the second closest and I watch basically like three games a year. Yeah, um, you know, so so my mind is already very dominated by English football, as I think are most Americans who are yeah. who are soccer fans. So uh, it, it just makes the England storylines so much more interesting. Yeah, and I'll tell you, for for all of our new listeners, like you know that they saw last week, they don't even know what they're doing. They've never heard. They've listened to like three episodes, and they were like, "Ooh, mystery episode, whatever." And a lot of them clicked it, and I'm sure we're like very turned off after like ten minutes. But you know, of all of our new bandwagon fans, they're all everybody. Like this episode is by far gonna like have the most downloads because every. I mean, as you say, this is this is obviously. If you're asking an American fan, the United States missed the World Cup, what team are you going to root for? I mean, why not? What what a perfect fit this team would be. And for our new fans, I mean, they've already listened to episodes. We have our 12 categories. Let's just, we always get started with the first one, Joe, the drink. So since you're in a hotel room in some city I've never heard of, you're probably well, not drinking the drink. No, I mean, well, luckily... The drink that you sent me was a fairly easy one. So I actually did stop on my way from Aberdeen and get the drinks for both episodes. That's impressive, Joe. I, I mean, I guess it, it is to, to, we've talked about in past episodes, certain drinks are harder to get than others. But obviously, both of these countries uh, have drinks that are very accessible in the United States because the, the, whatever they are, they're um, they export a type of drink or, or mixes of drinks that are very famous. So anyways, let's get started here. Super fan, fan emeritus Sean. He could have easily gone for tea, pims, or even beer here, but instead it is gin. In the 1700s, there were as many as 7,000 gin shops in London alone, and the drink was nicknamed the Mother's Ruin. They went crazy for the stuff. While James Bond chooses the martini as his gin drink of choice, I've chosen the absolute classic gin and tonic. Well, I didn't get any tonic, but I am drinking Beefeater Gin. Ooh. And I'm drinking it in a plastic cup with uh, hotel room ice. So there you go. So now I went a different direction because I opened up my liquor cabinet. I'm feeling a little under the weather, but I, enough that I can have one drink for this first episode. Uh, I, unfortunately, I'm not going to be drinking for the second half, but it sounds like you'll be doing that for both. So I did not have any gin, unfortunately. I, I think I had gin. And I am pretty sure that um, Superfan Fan Emeritus Tony cleared it out last year on his last visit to San Francisco. (laughs) 
as he does. Um, but I said, oh, I'll make a martini. I've got vermouth. I've got vodka. So I've made myself a vodka martini. But my favorite part of the vodka martini is the olives. I love, love it. Extra dirty. And in fact, when you were visiting here last week... We, bo- we both... I drank your dirty martini. You did. You ordered a martini, and of course, I had to follow suit. Uh, extra dirty. I think yours was only... What did you say? Yours was a little dirty? A little dirty. Yeah. Yeah. I went... I love extra dirty, but I didn't have any olives here, so I instead put in maraschino cherries. So I, t- I don't know what it's going to be oh, like. No. Oh, it's, no. That's a, that's, a, that's a big difference. Yeah. I know. I haven't tasted it yet, but uh, I've got vermouth, a nice Russian vodka from that episode, and some maraschino cherries. And um, but you know that that for me, you know, I am I'm a big martini drinker, and I am a I am a loyal gin martini drinker. You know, vodka martinis are very trendy right now. Um, yes. But I'm I'm a gin drinker, and I prefer Hendrix. Yes, and you turned me on. Which, to I don't Hendrix, know. Is Hendrix? Hendrix is a fabulous. Is Hendrix gin. British? I have no idea. It, it, it feels British. British. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the, the name Hendrix sounds British. Yeah. It, it's either British or they're, like, making it pretend like it's British. Right. Exactly. It sounds like it would be one of those gin shops and be like, oh, go down to Hendrix. Get- Hendrix? Hendrix gin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Very nice. Um, now, Joe, we've got a lot to cover here. I, I've We've got a lot of mailbag as these... Uh, bandwagon fans have come on. Is that what we're going to call them? The bandwagon fans? Do we have something more derogatory for them? Oh, we'll think of a more derogatory name. Let's 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 just sit on it for a little bit. But one of these, I don't think uh, he's a bandwagon fan. He was super fan Josh, and he, uh, not fan emeritus researcher Josh PhD. Oh, this is Josh who I still have to send my PO box to. Yes, and. I forgot to send him the P.O. I mean, you didn't send me the P.O. box, so I don't know what it is. But he, I think he listened to the last podcast and thought we were freaked out about what he was going to send. But here, here's what it is. He said, super fan, or he said, uh, Joe and Dan, hey, I love the podcast. Here's what I want to send you. For the past couple World Cups, I've been making sets of magnets to help me follow the tournament and keep track of my FIFA progress. Let me know if oh you'd like God. me to send you a set. And so he has a website, wcmagnets.com, so you can see exactly. He wants to send us each a set of uh, magnets. And if you go, everybody, you know, this is, I mean, is this sort of a paid sponsorship because he's offering to give us something for free in exchange for publicity? But we're open to that, Joe. That's fine. That's fine. I'll take it. Yeah, We can be bought. Might as well get something out of this goddamn podcast. The last people that tried to sell us... Hair loss, medicine, and erectile dysfunction. They missed the mark. We don't need that. Totally. Or at least we're not openly admitting we need that. But magnets. But I need a goddamn magnet. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, you could go to the website, wcmagnets.com. Everybody do that. I mean, they, it's great. They're magnets. They've got all the uh, World Cup teams got their flags on there. So, Joe, we've got to send him your P.O. box. I'm still not sending him my address. It's not worth it for the magnets, but... <laughs> You can send two sets to just Joe. Send him, just send him my real address. I'm just going to give you my address. There you go, Dan. Just send it to him. I don't really care. Well, I know um, what your real address is. You don't have to send me your address. I've been well, to your know. house. You have to send me your I, I PO box. I don't know what that is. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, if, if they go to this magnet website, um, what's the promo code? Oh, the promo code is Joe. Okay. The promo code is Joe. You get, you get 0% off for a magnet purchase. Well, here, how about this? 
if you buy the the 31 magnets, you get Tunisia for free. So buy 31, <laughs> get the 32nd free. I think Josh will be open to it. Yeah, that's a deal. That's a deal because, you know, you're thinking, oh, I don't care about Tunisia, but you want to have the full set, Joe. I mean, you want to be able to make the bracket on your refrigerator, and as the teams are winning, you want to be able to move them on. It's very important to have them all. Yeah, it, it, I mean, you know, and then God forbid Tunisia make the quarterfinal, and you're like, God damn it. <laughs> I know. Where's my Tunisia magnet? Everybody would be coming over to your house and saying, well, wait a second, that whole uh, that whole section of the bracket seems to yeah, be messed up. Yeah, the bracket is all messed up, yeah. And that's what, they yeah, didn't use no. the promo code. Promo code, be, Joe. Be completist, that's right. Can we say that the promo code Joe is the only way to get the Tunisia magnet? That it's like a collector's item? Ooh. Well, I, I mean, we might be destroying Josh's business. I don't think we should do that. I think, you know what? It's just a deal. It's just buy 31 get that extra one free if you want to buy all 32 that's available it's a you know tunisia's not it, it's just available for sale normally but you're you're paying extra you're paying a premium it's true for that. because because josh josh may have tunisian magnet fans that only want to buy the tunisian magnet yeah and you know there are a lot of them i mean this is an international company with these international magnets it's a bit like our podcast which is you're not exactly sure what market you're selling to so i mean this podcast is the best advertising possible. <laughs> this well, is literally. No, well, and I know, Dan, I mean, you know, you always ask me about the exports, but I looked up the imports and Tunisia is one of the world's number one importers of magnets. Wow. Believe it or not. Because they, um, they can't they can't make them there. Do they even have refrigerators to put them on? No, no, no. But they put them on like the back of school buses and stuff. <laughs> they put Tunisia magnets on the back of the school bus. So people know where they are. Absolutely. Yeah, it's very nice. Uh, <laughs> well, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm very excited for my set of magnets. That sounds fantastic. All right, Joe, following up on our mystery episode last week, we got an email from Ellie from team hashtag team Iceland. She yeah, said, I tweeted at hashtag I know. Team Iceland. They completely ignored it. Joe. Get ready for, to, for your indignation to jump up a level. She emailed oh, no. and said, I hope you are well. I just wanted to drop you a line to see if you received my mail and to ask if you are perhaps interested in including our campaign when you come to Iceland. And I assume when she says come to Iceland, she means do the podcast about Iceland. She may, she may be under the false impression that we do all of our episodes on location. I think she was under, I think she bamboozled us. I don't think she listened to the podcast. I think she just sent us the information. We did this whole podcast. You're super excited about Iceland. I thought I'd get an email from her that would be like, oh, my God, that was unbelievable, that last podcast. But she sent this email like three days after the podcast release. She asked if we received her mail, Joe. Of course we received it. We did like 30 minutes of it on the podcast. She didn't listen. I feel bamboozled. Maybe she didn't listen because it was called the mystery episode. Well, if like, she's you, if she's a true fan, she should have listened to every episode. Uh, that's a lot to ask. And you has you tw- tweeted at her. I did tweet. I that's that's the that's what makes it indefensible. I tweeted at Ellie. I'm upset. Look, if it were me picking, just based on that, had they said we haven't been listening to your podcast, but here's information about Iceland, that's one thing. But they said they've been listening to the podcast. They we'll give it time. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. You know what? 
Not everyone listens right away. I mean, Ellie's getting busier and busier as the World Cup gets closer and closer. I understand. And also, the time difference. It might be that uh, it hadn't been released yet in Iceland. Hmm. I mean, it's possible. I'm not exactly... You know, I know sometimes when they release movies, they don't actually make it to Europe for like two months. So it might be like that in the Iceland Apple podcast store. But, I mean... It's you're, true. You're, you're right. They're only on like the third season of, of uh, Friends in Iceland. They're, they're way behind. <laughs> Maybe she's just it, listened to like the first two episodes of our podcast and she's so excited. She's like, I'm getting in Iceland right at the beginning. Yeah, exactly. They have, she, even the World Cup doesn't start there for six more months. <laughs> Anyways, you can give them the benefit of the doubt. I'm out. I'm out on Iceland. They are, after wow. this, I'm not picking them as my team. Okay, fair enough. So, Dan, you're, you're, you're down to 31 options right now. Down to 31. And you know what? Crossing Tunisia's out, out too. <laughs> what are you going to do with that magnet? I don't like that they're importing all those magnets. You know, what are they doing with those? They should be importing other things. 30, 30 teams left, Dan. you got plenty of time. Our last email, and I always like the last email to sort of jump us into this episode. And we've got a new super fan, Canadian Pete. Now. Canadian Pete, what up? As you might have guessed, Canadian Pete is from England. Okay, I mean, that was a joke. Why not? That was a joke. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Hey, Dan and Joe. I'm from the soccer powerhouse of Canada, so I know the feeling of having to pick a team to support, except it's every World Cup here. I uh, I stumbled across this podcast a couple weeks ago and have been here and have been tearing through it usually listening to a yes. couple during work each day yes i love it Ooh. i hope i hope canadian pete does not have an important job no he's fine he's probably a mountie i mean they're just sitting around doing nothing all day there's no crime in canada certainly not like here yeah ugh. let's not talk about it thoroughly enjoy the podcast fellas and look forward to seeing how the next round will play out just have a quick note about the passover episode Although it didn't end up hurting them, I think you guys had a big miss on the Icelandic celebs. The world's strongest man and the mountain on Game of Thrones, Hafthor Julius Bjornsson, didn't get a mention. That's a great, that's that's an, an important one. It is. Because I love that the guy is like an actor who plays the mountain, but he also is like the strongest person. Also is the the world's strongest man. That's right. Yeah. Yeah, he is actively winning those competitions. Yeah. It's amazing. Ugh. That was also. I, I believe that would have been our first Game of Thrones celebrity. Hmm. Yeah, it's clear that Karsten is not as big a fans of Game of Thrones as he is of uh, Big Little Lies. <laughs> he he loves it. He 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 only has room for one HBO drama in his life. Yeah, it's a shame that I know you don't watch Westworld, but I mean Westworld is fabulous once again. No, I love Westworld. I I, I just haven't watched this season yet. I'm I'm. I like to save it up. I, I like to binge watch it. But you're missing out on all the fun. Like, it, there's just so much speculation and stuff that goes on week to week. Like, by not watching it in time, you just miss all that. No, I, I, I fully understand that. And I understand that I'm missing that. Um, but but I, I was invested in that. I got invested because I, I caught up last time with, like, five episodes left. And then I got too invested in it. And it, it, uh. it, it like... I enjoyed the show more when I was just watching it and not speculating about it. I see. I see. Well, 
there's a lot to speculate about, but I guess in, in five weeks, you could just binge it all. I mean, you don't have time to speculate anyways. You barely have time for this podcast. Anyways, uh, Canadian Pete continues. Not a lot to add to the England-Belgium conversation, but I would like to bring something to Joe's attention. The English squad has been released, and the ratio of Spurs to Arsenal players is very favorable. Five compared to one. Also expecting high marks for the drink categories of these two great countries. Keep up the good work, Canadian Pete. That's right. I agree on both fronts. We were, we have so much Spurs talk to talk about this episode. I mean, five to one, that's a lot. Yeah, well, Arsenal is terrible right now. Uh, and yeah, I mean, look, we, we, we are a very England-heavy squad at Spurs. And we have some really great young English players. What is is Arsenal playing in the Europa League or something? Or do they lose that? No, no, they'll be in the. Uh, well, I mean, their season's over. Next season, they will be in the Europa League. Oh, I thought they did. They do something this year, or did they just they just had a bad year? Did, did they compete in any of the in tournaments? Oh, I don't, I don't, I, I didn't even pay attention if they were in the Europa League finals. I think that might have been last year that they won Europa. Hmm. All right. No, well, I mean, they didn't win it because if you win Europa, you qualify for um, for Champions League the next year. And I know that they are not in Champions League next year. Yeah, I actually, the Europa League final must have been this week because I think I watched the first half of it and then became bored. I think it was from um, one of the Madrid teams. Uh, what's the? Atletico Madrid was playing oh. somebody. Hmm. Yeah. Well, big, big Champions League final this weekend. Yeah, I mean, uh, super exciting. Uh, uh, I mean, you're hated. Yeah, that was it. It was Atletico Madrid against Marseille. And uh, that's what I, yeah, because I commented the, about that on the goal scoring, that that's Griezmann character. He scored two goals. And yeah. uh, Atletico Madrid, boom, going to be in the Champions League next year. Congrats to them. And um, But yeah, I mean, the Champions League final, how exciting, Joe. I, what, what do you got? Who? What's your prediction here? Well, I'll tell you. Uh I'm 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 rooting for Madrid. Uh, for one thing, it would be nice for Gareth Bale to get another trophy with Madrid before he comes back to Tottenham Hotspur. Uh, yeah, secondly, that's your big hot take. <laughs> secondly, uh, I think uh, I don't I don't care for Liverpool. They their fans are getting too cocky right now, uh, and there's there's a, there's a very deep reason. Too, it's a very deep Spurs fan reason. Is uh, Tottenham Hotspur will be in pot two for the Champions League draw next year, unless Liverpool win the final and then leapfrog them in the FIFA rankings, and also if Benfica and Basel also qualify for the Champions League, which they each have a play-in game. So if all three of those things happen, then Tottenham's in pot three, which means the worst Champions League draw next year. All right, <laughs> it's getting this is getting pretty ridiculous. Pretty deep. That's pretty deep. And what's the difference? Weren't they they won the group of death this year? I know, I know, I know, I know. But you still want the easiest path possible. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. They really had it this year. They just sort of blew it. I know. I, it was rough. But whatever. All that aside, we've got we've got many Tottenham players to talk about. Um. Uh, we've gone through all the emails, Joe. I think it's time to uh, 
get in this episode. Although you haven't you haven't picked a winner yet. You said who you're rooting for. So you're because oh, from I my mean... understanding of of just reading people saying uh, the seeing the over under the the game expects the betters expect a lot of goals. They expect a lot of offense. Yes, not as much defense. It, this is, I mean, likely it's the two worst defenses uh, in in a final in a long time. Yeah, it's going to be like like five to four probably, but I think Real is going to win. Yeah, I got four to three for my uh, birthday brother, and I think he scores all the goals. He has a. I think that's totally uh, totally plausible. Hat trick plus one. I, I, I think there's a name for that, but I don't, I, I don't know what it is. Well, I know two is a brace, three is a hat trick. I don't know what four is. Maybe one of our emailers or maybe one of our uh, bandwagon fans can come on and, and, you know, earn back earn some fan emeritus status by helping us out. But all that aside, and, and I guess since we haven't said it in a lot of episodes for all these bandwagon fans, send us an email. World Cup at JoePixPod.com. If you've got comments or go to our subreddit, Reddit dot com slash r slash joe picks and uh see all the the madness in there post comments we love it but let's get into this let's learn a little bit more about this country in a section i like to call homeland handbook although technically this is sort of inaccurate because this is for the country the united kingdom not england and to be quite honest with you joe i don't know what the difference is so (laughs) the name of the people a britain a group of britons who are all british but that might be, I don't even know what somebody would be called who's from England, but I know you would say they were English. Or maybe you'd say they were British. I don't know. No, I think you just say that they're English. The language. Or an Englishman. English. Religions. 60% Christian. 25% none. 4.5% Muslim. 1.2% Hindu. 2% other. The capital city is, of course, London. All right. There you go. We may have learned... That's all about the United Kingdom, though. England is part of the United Kingdom, but again, I don't know how that works. Well, so, I mean, like, I think, like, one difference is that um, I think the United Kingdom includes Scotland and Wales. I think that's actually the big, the only difference that matters. Well, which I know Um, for the Olympics, I think they just play under the name Great Britain, GBR, and I think all of them are together. Right, right. And... I mean, one of the things, like, there's some pretty good Welsh players, including Gareth Bale. Yeah. Like, if they could just have Wales, England probably would have won the World Cup. Yeah. yeah I mean, it is strange. And, and Scotland, I mean, they, I know Scotland at one point had, I mean, back in, in the uh, 18, late 18, you know, 80s and 90s, Scotland is really good. So, I, I mean, you can imagine that, I mean, there have been historically some Scottish players who are, like, decent, I guess. Yeah. But they don't get any of that. Yeah, no, I mean, for sure. I mean, and and like as an American, I'm sure Bez and others are shaking their head. But like as an American fan, you're like, come on, you are like in the Olympics together. But like, it doesn't seem like that's going to ever happen because Scotland's even talking about like voting on referendums to leave the UK entirely. Yeah, well, I mean, after Brexit, they yeah. get back in the euro. Yeah, yeah, that would be weird. But anyways, Joe. Let's do everybody's favorite segment. Joe, what's the chief export of, and this is definitely the United Kingdom, because I don't think they do it on a, again, I don't know what England is, but <laughs> they don't do exports on that basis. 
they don't export things just as as England. Honestly, they might. I don't know. I don't know what England is. Is it a state within the United Kingdom? I don't know. It might come up in the government section. Yeah, I mean, honestly, I have no idea what UK's export is. I mean, like, uh, you know, I mean, what what the fuck does England produce for the world? Yeah, I really would have had uh, no realistic guess. All right, you know what? I know that they're like, uh, I mean, toffee, tea, <laughs> toffee or tea. Give me two guesses. Okay. Because neither of those are right. He's an idiot. Idiot. Yeah, both of those are dumb. Their, their top three exports, I mean, their top three exports are so boring, though, if you is had it gotten like, it right. Is it like royal wedding paraphernalia? Uh, no. No. Another dumb guess. Uh, number one, it, you got any other ones, Joe? <laughs> no, no. The corgis? Word, the word Cor- corgi. cheers? Wait, no. Corgis are, well, are Welsh. Uh, what else do they have? We already said, you already said tea. Crumpets? Oh, yeah, tea and crumpets. I mean, yeah. if if they export a lot of tea, they have to export a lot of crumpets. Crumpets. Ooh, no. No. Okay, what about, what about like, there are so many British actors in America. Like, maybe it's just actors. Like, like they have Australia beat. Yeah, I, well, I think we talked about this in Australia. You can't count box office uh, take as, as part of an export. It just doesn't work like that. Ooh, but if you could. If you could. Now... It's, a, it's interesting because when I was looking this up, basically, the exports of... Oh, wait. Oh, wait. One more guess. Okay. Harry Potter books. Ooh. That's, that's close. That, I think <laughs> okay. 10 years ago, that would have been on the list. But now, it's sort of petered out. Petered out. Okay. The number one export is machinery and electronics. God damn it. God the damn number, it, England. The number two is cars. And the number three is oil. Which I assume comes from Scotland, the oil-rich Scottish areas. So I didn't even look for any information about these because they're all so boring. But I did look at cars briefly, and they do build a lot of cars. They both, a lot of like British cars like Rolls-Royce and Bentley and Aston Martin. But they also, like a lot of American manufacturers build cars there because they just, you know, it's a very rich place that has a lot of cars, so... And I guess they all, the wheel is on the other side of the road. So that's kind of like, you know. Yeah, so I, I mean, how many places can they export those to? Yeah. I, they must build cars with the wheel on the other side of the road and export it to other places. No, it's illegal there. You I, can't I, even. <laughs> you can't even do it? You can't do it. No, it's really, it's like really strict punishments for that. So they do it on the wrong side of the road and then ship it off to the other country and they have to spend an additional $5,000 per car to switch it. But That's right. it's such That's an expensive right. luxury car, it doesn't matter. It's worth it. It's worth every penny. Yeah. There you go. But but uh, they are a service economy, and they are the financial center of Europe. So they make a lot of money like that. They don't make as much money manufacturing and exporting stuff as uh, some other countries with uh, simpler economies, dare I say, do. So they're very boring dumb segment for that but here's not a dumb segment joe there are 32 countries in the world cup where does united kingdom rank in population among them number nine no wait number 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 six 
Well, I've never seen such a thing. Joe, you went from to They're exactly nine. You hit oh, it no. on the dot. I mean, I'm taking that. I'm taking credit for that. There couldn't be any more of an English way to do that, to come in, have it right, but then due to lack of confidence, change your answer and get it completely wrong. Because you six is even outside of the range. Joe, oh, to complete I, disaster, they're ninth, exactly ninth out of 32, 66 million people. They are the 21st biggest country overall in the world. God damn it. I was so close. Now, Joe, uh, let's just let's get right into it. What everybody's been waiting for, we're going to talk about the World Cup history, the road to qualification, and the group. And then we are going to get into section one, too good, too bad. So I talked about it uh, in the intro, but this is uh, they didn't play in the first three World Cups. Out of that, they've qualified for... Every single World Cup except for three of them, they didn't qualify for 74, 78, or 94, which, interestingly enough, was the one in the United States. England did not qualify for that one, but they've qualified for all the other ones. Uh, the, the stats are really amazing just by, you know, I said this directly in the intro, but it's just worth saying again, by ELO rating, where they just look at, you know, every time a team plays another team, you know, the winning team gains points, the losing team loses points, or if it's a draw, the, the points you know the worst team gains a few points whatever they just they're constantly doing that for every international match that's played both uh in tournaments and i think friendlies but friendlies don't count as much or something by this metric england has been a top 10 team in every single world cup they've entered which is crazy that's crazy crazy. i mean this is a consistently good team and their performances are terrible just for a team that's always so and and by that same ranking, they were top five. Again, I said this. Top five in 13 of them. They've only been in 15. So they've been a top five team 13, at what, what is that, 85% of the time, 80% of the time, and they still terrible. I mean, they won in 1966 at home. In 1990, they got fourth place. But other than that, just pretty mediocre. I mean, the last four quarterfinals, quarterfinals, in South Africa, round of 16, and of course, last time in Brazil, dreadful, no, didn't register a win, and it lost in the group stage. So, you know, this is, a, we are know the ethos of it, but this is just a, a team that should be a powerhouse. They've got the history, they've got one of the most elite, if not the most elite leagues in the world, they've got a country that's mad about the sport, and they just cannot get the results in the World Cup. I mean, it's 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 almost it seems like it's happened long enough that you have to say like there that there has to be a reason for it. It can't just be like the bad luck of of tournaments that don't happen all that often. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it's always something with the team like, you know, this is a team that sort of I mean, we'll get into this in the fan culture section because we're we're going to get it we both from Yannick, a, a German fan, an outsider, but then Bez, an insider, has has delved deep inside the ethos of the English fan and, and poured his soul out so we can learn what it is like for this to continue happening. But, you know, I, I think it is just part of the, the fans, the, the team, it just, something about it, the pressure, the, the, the lens they're always under... 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, okay. I mean, one thing that I, I wonder is the Premier League season is like a fairly rigorous season. And like, is it possible that these are, are players that are just like, like they're coming to the World Cup injured and like, I mean, like, like the FA, I believe, is traditionally way more brutal than other leagues in terms of like, you know, you know, you have a Champions League game on on Wednesday and you're in the FA Cup and you know, like, you know, there's so many examples of like teams petitioning to move a game and the FA Cup being like, no, you have a schedule, you're sticking to your schedule. And like it, it often, I believe, screws English teams in international competitions. And I wonder if maybe that is carrying over to Team England where like these players are just fucking tired. Yeah. Well, I, I guess let's think. So the, the Premier League ended two weeks ago. Yep. So uh, well, the fourteenth. Uh, so not even not even two weeks ago. Like yeah, yeah. So I guess if it's the fourteenth, the World Cup starts on the twentieth, the eighteenth, the fourteenth. So yeah. they get so one, one month, month off. Yeah, one month off. Yeah, yeah. And they're playing because to your point, the the parity in the other leagues is just not the same. Like they're, they're, the other leagues are very top heavy, where you know the, the good teams could really they're not expending as much effort to beat the bad teams as they are in the premier league. And, and I mean, you know, the premier leagues are teams are, are so expensive. The players are so expensive that like, even, even when they're not playing constantly, they're in these like random international tournaments because they need the like ticket prices from, from, you know, the Spurs trip to America to like, you know, so like if you, you know, if you're Harry Kane, you know, then they also don't want to go to America and not bring Harry Kane, the player that everyone wants to see. Like, I mean, just the number of games that he play. I mean, he must play a hundred games a year. I mean, that seems a lot. I mean, not really. If you it, it, uh, you know, if you do the math, so there's 38 Premier League games. He plays in almost every single one. I mean, he, he plays in every single one of them if he's not hurt. Um, you know, you have FA Cup tournament, Caribou Cup tournament. Uh, if you're in um, Harry Kane, I in, know, but a hundred is insane. He's not playing two games a week for every week of the season. That's just crazy. I, I don't know. If you do the math, it's not far off. Yeah, it is far off. It's not 100. What, maybe 60? So it couldn't be 100. It's it's definitely closer to 100 than it is to 50. No, it's not. All right, let's see. Let's see how many caps he's had. Harry Kane has had this year. I don't know. I don't, I don't know where I would possibly find that. But anyways. We'll find, we'll find it. Yeah, somebody will find that. Uh Let's move on. But Harry Kane's a bad example because he was hurt all year. But whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Whatever. Moving on. So that's the World Cup history. Let's look at their road to qualification. Hey, they were in UEFA, of course. Group F with Slovakia, Slovenia, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Scotland, Lithuania, and Malta. That's not a. That's a. That's an easy group draw. It is a fairly easy group draw, I would say. So. Uh, that was actually my first thing in my notes, Joe. Easy group. So they were the pot one team. The pot two team was Slovakia, and the pot three team was Scotland. But interestingly enough, based on whatever dumb FIFA rankings there they are, uh, Slovakia was all actually the top team in pot two. So theoretically, on paper, it was not a good draw. But you know, it, it, for them, it was no problem. Yeah, it was fine. They didn't lose. They uh, had eight wins, two draws. 
plus 15 goal differential, 26 points. They only conceded three goals. Their draws were nil-nil to Slovenia in Slovenia and 2-2 to Scotland in Scotland. So they won every home game. They were the second UEFA team to qualify. They actually tied another team as the the second team to qualify, winning Group F with uh, a win in their penultimate game. So they had one completely meaningless game. Uh, A draw in in their penultimate game, a draw would have also qualified them, but uh, in, in beautiful, great, classy fashion, uh, Harry Kane scored a goal in the 94th minute, breaking a nil-nil draw against uh, somebody. I don't know who it was. Uh, maybe it was, I think it was against Slovakia, but I don't know. But anyways, a draw would have been fine, but Harry Kane's uh, 94th minute goal sealed it. So after that, they qualified. That was great. In Group F, the leading goal scorer, uh, well, tied for the leading goal scorer was none other than Harry Kane. With five goals, no other English player had more than two. I mean, if you look at the the stats, the team, they finished plus 15, but that was on 18 goals with only three conceded. So they weren't necessarily scoring a ton. I don't know if these um, the teams they were playing were, were more defensive-minded, uh, um, but compared to some other groups, I mean, there are teams that are scoring 30-plus goals in these qualifying games. Uh, this was not one of them. They did not score that much, but they they conceded, you know, obviously three goals in 10 games is is very, very solid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I mean, I think it, that was my impression of, of England's um, road to qualification, too, was that it was sort of like not, not, not offensively very exciting. Yeah, I don't think it was very exciting. I mean, I, they definitely played a lot of 1-0, 2-0, 2-1, games like that. And, you know, your leading goal scorer has, has five goals. Uh, when we get into the, the second team of our doubleheader, their leading goal scorer had more than double that. So, yeah. um, but, you know, keep the suspense building on that. So, anyways, they qualified. You know, they qualified pretty easily. Uh, they, you know, they qual- would have qualified with a draw in their uh, second-to-last game. I, as things turned out, they would have qualified with a loss. So, basically, their last two games are completely meaningless. So, they qualified after eight games. And uh, made it which to- even even in an easy group, I mean, we saw teams in Europe not qualify from what should have been groups that they you know were predicted to win. So, you know, it, it's not that's not nothing. Yeah, it's not. Look, they they were given an easy group that doesn't. They could still have lost the games. They didn't. They didn't lose a single game. They won eight of them. You know, look, give it to them. Uh, they made it to the World Cup, and where do they go? They get in put into Group G, which is a group we've covered twice before, but uh, we didn't really cover it in extreme depth. It is with our two teams today. So both Belgium and England are in this group, and they are with Tunisia. Yes, magnet-loving Tunisia and Panama. So we covered this briefly in the Panama episode. So... This is what uh, 538 says about it. Belgium and England will be extremely pleased with how the draw turned out for them as their combined chances of making it out of the group stage is the highest of any two teams in the same group. What's more, they don't play each other until the final round of the group stage matches. So depending on how they fare against Tunisia and Panama, the Belgians and English could have already qualified by the time they meet. I mean, that, that, that has the uh, chance of being the game where they just pass the ball back and forth to each other. Yeah, well, I mean, it it will be interesting to see if both of them win their first two games, as they're heavily favored to do, 
that it will be they'll be playing for just a matchup and it, it will be interesting to see like you know there oh, are I, yeah i mean i guess that's true though right that they'll want to theoretically they'll want to win the group but uh, you know but of course there are times when you actually look and you say like oh we don't want to win the group we want to come in second yeah, yeah. It, that's what it'll be interesting if it is one of those situations where I, I'm not exactly sure what the, the draw looks like. I did not do that much research or who their um, expected a person would be to play. But uh, either way, as as the odds makers have it, they're both very likely to advance. So they've got Belgium, 84% chance to advance. England, 82% chance to advance. Tunisia down at 22% and Panama down at 12%. 538 had basically the same numbers. And the oddsmakers gives Belgium the slight nod to win the group, 52%. They give England 42%, Tunisia 4%, and Panama a nice 2% chance. So, with that, they're very favored to grow out of the group. Let's see what the oddsmakers have for as far as they are expected to go. So, to make it out of the group, as I said, 82%. To make it to the quarterfinals, 56%. To make it to the semifinals, 28%. To make it to the final. 13% and to win the World Cup a little over 5%. So, their overall odds would be a bet of 1 pound sterling would return 16 pound sterling and no pence. Yeah, I mean, you know, I feel like those are actually pretty like like that's not a bad bet. Um and I feel like the 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 team history is being folded into how people are are looking at that bet. Like I think if you take the same path to qualification and the same roster of players, but trade out every English last name with an Italian last name, if if Italy had players of the same quality and had qualified with the sort of relative ease that England did. And we're in that same group where they were pretty much guaranteed to make it to the knockout stage. I bet Italy would have a better, would have been given better odds than England. And maybe that's right. I mean, if, if we were saying earlier that, that, that their, their epic losses and their sort of uh, continual disappointment is obviously systemic more than it is random, then like it should be factored in. Yeah. Well, look, in the World Cup, there are seven teams, uh, or, rather six teams with higher odds than them. So they are the, the seventh out of the 32 teams, which is, by the way, very close to where they are in the world rankings. It's based on that ELO thing. And look, one of the teams that's right above them, I mean, this isn't a spoiler because I just said they have higher chances of winning the group. The team right above them is Belgium. So other than that, there are five teams ahead of them and we've done all of these teams. Well, we haven't done one of them, but it should be no surprise. But it's Brazil, Spain, France, Argentina, and Belgium. So, I mean, the the question is, yeah, the odds are 60 to 1, but it's like, truthfully, like, which of those teams do you think they're better than? And, you know, those are yeah, some no, pretty good teams. Point. That, that's a fair point. Yeah, yeah. I guess it just seems like that ranking makes sense to me, but that the odds should be higher. But maybe, yeah, you know, who knows? Um, I think England's in a pretty, you know, first of all, the fact that it's a you know I, you know I keep thinking about our bet that we talked about last week of who's going to be the top goal scorer and yeah, maybe still it's a good soliciting uh, responses on that. I got to figure out yeah. where to put my put my hundred dollar bet. Yeah, well, look, I mean, I think we need to talk about that until the last episode. Um, 
though that might be two weeks into the World Cup. I, I think, you know, that that may be the best reason of any that that Harry Kane's a bad bet is that their offense is just not clicking, at least in the qualification round. Um, I think that the thing about England that it would be fun is that, man, if they if they made it to the final, if they if they went on a run, it would just be like such an exciting storyline. Like, is this the year that England finally manages to live up to their potential? I mean, it, it would it, be complete pandemonium in in England. Like, it would be crazy. Yeah, and like the bar that we watch our soccer games at is an English bar. Like. It is owned by someone from England. It would be pretty exciting there. I mean, it would be equivalent to like 1,400 royal weddings. It would be. It would be. It would be. Like that, um, the, the fact that the royal wedding was like so big was just because they're like pre-baking in there. They know they're going to be disappointed in the World Cup. So they have to have like some event that everybody can like get together about. Even, even, in, even if they just made the final... After that, if you said like, hey, random English person, what's something cool that happened in 2018? They'd be like, oh, it was the, it was the World Cup. That was it. Yeah. Nothing well, else happened. I mean, happened. the thing is, if you make the final, whether you win or lose, like the amount of stuff you can talk about is exactly the same. So it's just like if you get eliminated early, like, you know, if they like don't make it out of the group, which obviously would be very unlikely. Well, you just sort of stop talking about them after like five days of the World Cup. Right. But the deeper the length they of go, time that your World Cup is exciting is just as long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. Yeah. No, I, I say a lot. Is it just say that I think England's in a really good place because, you know, a team that's highly ranked, you, you would say that they're too good, but they're too good without any like track record of actually doing anything with it. So I think they're in a good spot. I think uh, it's a, it's a, it's a good group. I also, you know, we'll talk about this in the next episode. I really like Belgium. Like I, I just find them a really fun team to watch. So the fact that like, I'll get to watch a game against Belgium, um, you know, early on, like this is pretty good. So I'm going to say eight out of 10, eight out of 10. Wow. I thought you even go higher. A smidge too good. A smidge too like, I mean, I know you like the 20 to 25 to ones, but like, I think the 16 to one with the baked in, history of like if they made it just if they made a run it would just be like a story because oh totally like totally honestly speaking if i were telling you the stories could be germany's making a run brazil's making a run spain's making a run france is making a run argentina's making a run belgium's making a run or england's making a run and you had to like rank the like you could just throw out the first three like who cares yeah the three most exciting storylines or the four I think in order would be England, Belgium, France, Argentina. Yeah, I, I would order. I would flip flop Argentina and France just because it's you know messy like messy winning is like a story on its own. But yeah, but Argentina made the finals last yeah. time, so it, like 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 the run is it, it's just a repeat. Yeah, yeah, and as and look the France team. I mean, as we talked about, what a young exciting team that's going to totally. be. So yeah, yeah, a- agreed. So I I, I think. Um, it's such an exciting story. And then if you look at the odds right after England, there's a big drop. And then we get to Portugal, Uruguay, Uruguay, Croatia. And I mean, those are 22 to 1, 30 to 1, 35 to 1. So England is really, truly the last, like they're the last team that has a 5% chance of winning. So they're sort yeah. of the, the last of the, um, 
Of the top tier. Of yeah. the true contenders. And yeah. then after no, that. No, that makes sense. That makes sense. Eight out of ten. I'm sticking with it. All right. I did my drop. Uh, I, I don't know if this is a category anymore, so I'll do it again if it's not. Category five. Category five, yes. Food and couponing, Joe. Oh, right off the bat. Thanks to fan emeritus Emily. She says, England, they have Groupon, Joe. Right now they have a deal to see the Tottenham Hotspur. Whoa, Although, Joe, she wrote they have a deal to see the Tottenham Hot Spurs. Oh, Emily, no. <laughs> no. The deal offers Terrible. executive padded seating, grazing and handheld bowl food, complimentary halftime drink, visits from an array of Spurs legends, complimentary match day program, access to VIP, lounge and bars, all for, get this, Joe, 230 pounds. Wait, what? That that can't be right. What a deal. That can't be right. You think it's too high or too low? To visit from Spurs VIPs? What like who's gonna come out? I don't know. I think Harry Kane will give you a high five. That 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 must be like that must be like the uh, there's no way that that's a, a real deal unless it's like the um when Iceland offered me a digital jersey. <laughs> <laughs> and you're like you're offering a kit oh a digital kit oh i i see I yeah see. see i thought they were saying a digit where they'd like retire a jersey number for our podcast yeah but no like yeah. o- 11 that's off the table that's yeah. the joe no. picks number sorry joe, joe already has that one i it, it must be a a digital visit from a spurs legend <laughs> you sit in your seat and they're just like Watch the video screen in front of you for this your VIP meet and greet. No, and then Harry Kane comes on. And he's like, "Hello," and then it's like, "Dub Joe Mizrahi." <laughs> Are you enjoying the complimentary food and beverages? <laughs> um, yeah, there's no way that's a real deal. But boy, we're really gonna clobber the Sheffield Wednesday this week. <laughs> oh my god. All right. What's the food? What did you what did you say about the food? Uh, for food, there's a debate on England's national dish, with traditionalists saying it would be the roast beef and Yorkshire pudding, which is a puff pastry with meat gravy, or the staple of fish and chips. However, many now believe it's chicken tikka masala, chicken in a spiced curry sauce, as it's not only popular, but represents the absorption of other cultures, especially Indian and Pakistani, into mainstream English society. Meat pies, like the steak and kidney bean pie, are traditional comfort foods in the country, with the dessert version being puddings of all types and varieties. Hungover hungover from hitting all the pubs? Get yourself an English breakfast consisting of beans, eggs, beans, eggs, bacon, sausages, mushrooms, grilled tomatoes, and toast. There's also a lot of cheese. Try yarg, as well as cheddar and stilton. Sausages, oysters, and Cornish pastries. Minced beef, potatoes, onions, and seasonings in pastry dough are common and popular, so belly it up at your local pub, have a pint and a bag of crisps, and see if England can finally break its bad luck. I I really thought she was going to go for bangers and mash. Yeah, bangers and mash are are good. I'll tell you, though, having I, I once spent 10 consecutive days in London, and I would just wake up every morning and get the place we went to called it the Farmer's Breakfast, and it was exactly as she said. It was all of those things. Oh, my God. It's so good. Oh, yeah. I mean, first of all, the uh, British pub where we watch soccer, they do a full English breakfast. It's great. Um, 
What's funny is like England is, I think, like the food is often derided in England, like is like, oh, it's not like a culinary place, right? Yeah. But um, but like when we went to London, your your sister, by the way, fucking love the food. I mean, it, it's all it's potatoes and meat. I mean, it's bangers great. and mash are awesome. I mean, Full, fish and chips are fish and chips are a little greasy. I mean, you can't like have that every day. No. No, but English breakfast is great. English breakfast is de- great. I I mean, what about they, they these like pies is, is kind of a thing. Do you have any of those meat pies? We did get some meat pies. I mean, like they're honestly like I mean, it was more like I mean, maybe we got like a fancy version, but it was more like a like pierogi than it was a pie. Hmm. It wasn't like a chicken pot pie. Yeah. It was like a pastry. Yeah. I mean, I agree. I think that there's like that famous joke about like of all the like You've gone to hell, and it's like you've got the English cooks and the like Italian police officers or whatever, and that's like the bad version. It's like English food is great. Yeah, it might not be like highbrow, but it's good. Yeah, I don't know about the pudding thing. The pudding thing, I'm not really like like pudding. Pudding didn't it didn't transfer over to America. We have one kind of pudding, and it's not that good. I don't know. I, I think pudding's great. Some of that. Do you uh, do you eat a lot of pudding? No, but. I think it's good. I, I really like the um, the type of pie that's pudding. I forget what that's called. <laughs> like a pudding pie? Oh, banana cream pie. Yeah, boom. I would say, though, like most American people, if you were to give them a choice of dessert, like do you want like cake, ice cream, or pudding? They'd be like, why is pudding an option? That's weird. Yeah, they would all say ice cream. Probably, or cake. I mean, if it's cold out, if it's winter. No, there's no comparison. Ice cream, you're taking ice cream 100% of the time. I, I okay. Frankly, if it were me, I'd rather have pudding over cake. I'd go, obviously ice cream, but if it was like, would you like a bowl of pudding or some cake? I would say, hey, give me some pudding. No, man, I think cake is where it's at. I know, you baked a cake when you were at my house. It's still sitting in my fridge. Oh, you should eat it. As are your rotting cherries and a bunch of other crap you bought. All right, well... Clean out your fridge, man. Uh, yeah, I think, uh, I think, I think, well, first of all, look, there's a Spurs related group on, like, come on, you can't beat that. Uh, and as we just talked about, I have a soft spot for the food there. Nine out of 10. Nine out of 10. Wow. Wow. It's a high score, Joe. Look, it's a Spurs related cube. I mean, how can you go wrong with that? I don't know. Harry Kane's going to give you a high five. That's the answer. What more could you ask for? Category six. Category six. All right. Wow, this is going to be a big one, Joe. Jumping right into the Lions' den. Fan culture. Now, Joe, would you like to start or end with the English fan? So we've got an English fan and a German fan. Let's, Let's hear from the outside perspective first. What does the German think? All right. Thanks to fan emeritus Yannick. I would love to write about English fan culture, but the word culture scoffs anything but the English have ever done in a stadium. For Englishmen, watching soccer is an excuse to get shit-faced and hammer the shit out of other nations' fans. Known for hooliganism and ing- Known for hooliganism, an English pub during game time is the definition of ign- ignominy. How do you pronounce that word? 
Ignominy. Ignominy. Yes. It's unedited, Joe. It's all in there. But, but you have to say it with a British accent. Or I guess with a German accent. Well, I don't know. I don't even want to try saying it again, so I'm out. <laughs> the whole yeah. of England. Ignominy. The whole of England is plastered during match days. Maybe that's why nobody answered my Reddit thread. The greatest impact English football ever had on world soccer was in 1848 when the Cambridge rule was drawn up and started the modern era of football. After that, not much happened. The English national football team is a disgrace. Englishmen always whine about how hard it is to be to be an English football fan. But what else do they expect? The Premier League teams throw a shitload of money on players from abroad. Proper youth development is something the English FA has never lost a thought about. The English team is doomed to mediocrity for another 52 years. Even by 2066, we will still hear English fans brag about the World Cup title in 1966, won by an irregular goal. All in all, English fans are a whiny bunch of drunkards beating up foreign fans. Stains of puke still on their washed-up Gary Lineker jerseys. All jokes aside, being an English fan is pretty frustrating, as it seems. Always high expectations, always losing. Still, they are very passionate and have always high attendance. Then, it's obvious they like to drink beer and have a good time. I also admire the creativity by making up chants in the stands. Also, no language barrier for you, Joe. They're rivals. Wales and Scotland. They even share a country, so of course they're rivals. Also, Scotland versus England was the very first international matchup ever played. Germany. Yes, we truly don't like each other, but Germany always seems to draw the long straw, except for 1966. For example, in 2010, when a regular goal for England was denied, and he said watch below, but unfortunately we're a podcast medium, but I assume we all remember that. Also, England has never won on penalties. Germany always wins on penalties. After one match they lost to Germany, Gary Lineker said, quote, football is a simple game. 22 men chase a ball for 90 minutes, and at the end, the Germans always win. That describes the bitterness of this rivalry. Ooh, that's rough. That's rough. That's gotta. That's gotta hurt Bez to listen to that. Yeah. Well, Bez gets uh, gets the the rebuttal. So that's point and counterpoint. Hey, Joe. England, the home of football, the best fans in the world. Your beloved Tottenham Hotspur, and the English national football team, which you should avoid like the plague if you know it's good for you. <laughs> He'll turn. As I have dual nationality and support England as well as Spain, and the former has given me nothing but heartache and headaches for decades. The reputation of the Premier League and the history of founding football make England fans think they have a God-given right to win every major tournament, when in reality, the team is closer to a B-level nation than elite. If you go and see a club game, Spurs of Sheffield Wednesday, you will experience something amazing. Real fans chanting for 90 minutes with a rare passion. But when England are involved, it brings out the worst in us Brits. Watching England is a somber affair that has been sterilized and resembles a family trip out rather than the feisty and intimidating experience you get at the club level. Surely you don't want football to resemble the Mizrahi trip to the San Francisco Exploratorium. (laughs) That's, That's accurate. Yeah, you don't want that. You would think that I would be proud that Sheffield Wednesday band transforms into the England band during the World Cup, but no... They make it all worse, playing the same tired tunes again and again. In a week or so, the English will remember that the World Cup is coming. They will suddenly demand victory and fail to remember that the national team is less exciting than drying paint. Spare yourself the boredom and disappointment. Then, again, as the song says, 
Perhaps this time football really is coming home. Joe, as we are an audio medium, he has sent an audio song. Let's let's take a listen. We're not creative enough. We're not positive enough. It's coming home. It's coming home. It's coming. Football's coming home. We'll go on getting back. It's on getting back. It's on getting back. It's on getting back. It's coming. Football's coming home. It's coming. So sure that England's gonna throw it away, gonna blow it away, but I know they can play, cause I remember All right, it's a great song. I'm not gonna play the it's whole. It's like thing. a depressing song. Jeez. I know. Jeez. But it's just, it's just the song is just the perfect ethos of. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I love it. Where he's like, they're gonna blow it again. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 such a sad song. But I mean, like, look, you know. All this talk of, of of a fandom that is defined through uh, you know misery is like I'm right at home there. Yeah, and that's by my the way, sweet spot. For anybody looking for that song, it is Badiel and Skinner and Lightning Seeds, and it's called Three Lions. All right, all right. Uh, but look, when your when your rivals are saying almost with pity, it's terrible to be a fan of England, and then. The English fans are saying it's even worse than that. It's really, truly terrible to be a fan of England. You you sort of have to listen. I mean, it it is true that like I would be picking a team that would would almost certainly just end in heartbreak and frustration. But, and this is where I think it's interesting. You've got a team. You're a fan of the U.S. team, right? So you would. You're never gonna have. You're not gonna have a lifetime of like disappointment. You're That's gonna, true. You're, you would have well, I mean, one tournament of disappointment. Wait, I mean, as a U.S. fan, I'm also going to have a lifetime of disappointment. Maybe, but I, I think the difference is like our expectations are much lower than absolutely the English expectations. Yeah. So if England did pull it off, you you would be like, you know, you could be like the optimistic English fan, and then you know they blow it again. And then whatever you just you're just like all right well that was yeah, fun. I just go back to my life absolutely yeah yeah no that's a good point that's a good point look I like that this fandom has a defining characteristic I which I mean is misery but like I said like I'm right there with them uh, let's say seven out of ten 
Seven out of ten. I mean, as a Tottenham fan, I guess you don't necessarily feel misery. Tottenham doesn't sort of blow it again. They just sort of never reach their potential. Yeah, I mean, I, I, it, it's not misery because there's a lot of things things to be excited about. But it, it, it disappointment is not is not an overstatement for yeah. sure. See, I think being a DC fan, like I feel this exactly. Like I'm, I'm drawn to this because I just want to be a fan of a team that has this like disaster, this like weight on them, and then wins. Just so like I know it's possible. But that that the second half of that equation is something that I've never experienced as a fan of anything. Yeah, neither have I. Of course, I mean, both San Diego and DC have like top five droughts, and you know, San Diego at this point with only one team who's terrible. I mean, that drop is never, never it's never going to happen. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, all right. Up next is category ten. Although I forgot about the Carolina Panthers, Joe. New ownership. I know. Look, look, it's a new day in Carolina. Yeah, it's not that that horrible guy. Uh, category ten formerly was rate the kit, which is now part of uh, fan culture, but we we for- sort of forgot about it. So <laughs> let's take a look at this English kit real quick. You should you should talk about something for a minute. Uh, so, Joe, uh, you know, you're doing you're doing great, buddy. I was thinking that uh, this bet for the top goal scorer. Yeah. So England is sixteen to one, but Harry Kane is also exactly sixteen to one. So the question is, which is the better bet there? Or are the bets so interconnected that, that if you make one, you might as well make the other? Well, see, I don't think that, so. I mean, I guess you're right. You could parlay them together. Right. That, like, that like so, you know, Harry Kane's success is England's success. Yeah. I don't know. I'll tell you but that. But I don't think that that's actually true, though. Yeah. Because I think England could win a lot of low-scoring games. Exactly. exactly. And, and other they teams. Could, yeah. And there are other goal scorers on that team. Yeah, England's kit is fine. I mean, I like the Three Lions logo or the Three Lions emblem, the the shield or whatever. But um, yeah, it's fine. I really like that Griezmann guy. I'll tell you, in that uh, Europa final, he looked very confident putting the ball in the net. I don't know. I mean, look, we can talk about it more next episode. That Lukaku bet is, I think that I think that's a good bet because uh, he is their by far best goal scorer yeah maybe we should talk about that because uh that's gonna be in the next episode his name's gonna come up very many times all Uh, right joe so you looked at the kit nobody cared because it's a podcast you already gave category category seven category seven all right atrocities for several hundred years the sun never set and of course this is by fan emeritus josh phd god bless him who's not in the magnet business but he is in the the book-selling business. So, well, all of our new listeners will have to send out an Amazon link to that book once it goes up, but we don't have that yet. And our and our Audible link as well. Um, yeah. I wonder if the two Joshes could combine forces. Hmm. So Josh could have his book be magnetic, the first uh, refrigerator book? No, 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 no. What, I, what I'm thinking about is, is, is PhD Josh is so into, like, deep history – you know, this one's about meat. Is that right? Beef? Yeah. Meat. Red Meat Republic. Meat. 
Yeah. So what about what about the history of magnets and how magnets have helped shape culture? Oh, interesting. Yeah. I mean, that's a completely an unexplored subject. They're everywhere, Absolutely. Joe. Who knows? Who invented the magnet? Honestly, no one knows. Yeah. Where do they come from? No one knows. No one even knows the science behind them. Wow. Yeah. Boy, that, that sounds like a, a second book written all over it. All right, what does is, what is PhD Josh have to say? For several hundred years, the sun never set on the British Empire. Unfortunately, it turns out the empire was pretty bad. Over 15 million people died in a series of famines across British India, many of which were connected to laissez-faire colonial policies that encouraged the hoarding of grain for export. Or, for another example, during the anti-colonial uprising in Kenya known as the Mau Mau Uprising, the colonial government used a number of detention camps to hold opponents of the regime in squalid and dangerous conditions. Widespread torture and violence in Kenya led to thousands of deaths. These are only a few of the many more examples. On the other hand, since the end of the empire, they've been uh, much better behaved. And everybody loves the queen. Oh, and they really stood up to the Nazis, so that's a bonus point. He puts their atrocity level at London Curry. Which yeah, can I mean, be very I, spicy. Well, I read about um, this. I mean, the thing that Josh is talking about, this thing, it was crazy during World War II. I mean, Winston Churchill was like a monster where basically like they 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 were stopping these grain shipments and people were starving in India. And they wouldn't they wouldn't let the shipments go there, even though it was their colonial territory because they, they wanted to preserve it like potentially for their troops, but they never they didn't even need it. It was just, it, it was just like to a certain degree, like cruelty and like just, just valuing white lives over brown. It was, I mean it like, and millions of people died and it's just super depressing when you read about it. I don't, it's like, bad. That. I don't like that. It's bad. Yeah, no, no, you shouldn't. Uh, yeah. I mean, the, you know, the whole British colonial era and also like the ramifications it's had on even current world politics. It's not good. It's not good. Yeah, that's Three true. Eight. It's not even the the fact that they've like drawn up all these countries, which is horrible because of like, I don't know. Oh, what... I mean, there, there's so much of like, even like the current Israeli-Palestinian conflict that is like directly related to British imperialism. Yeah. It's not good. Three out of 10. Three out of 10. All right. What's next? Cat- category 11. Category 11. All right. This should be a more positive note. Maybe. The National Anthem, thanks to uh, superfan fan emeritus Tony PhD, who, by the way, he's visiting San Francisco next week. How exciting. Super exciting. It might hurt our podcast scheduling. The uh, anthem is called God Save the Queen. Save the Queen. Origin, the tune traces back to 1600 folk songs. The first published version of what is the present tune appeared in 1944 in thesaurus musicus the 1744 version of the song was popularized in scotland and england the following year it was recorded as being sung in london theaters in 1745 with thomas arnay writing a setting of the tune for the drury lane theater lyrics it's in english so you can listen for yourself (laughs) fun facts same tune as my country tis of thee and also the tune for Wintenstein's oh <laughs> damn it <laughs> well unedited unedited Lichtenstein's national anthem 
Oben, Am, Jungen, Rhein. Both different words. Since FIFA only plays the instrumental version, that means if England plays Liechtenstein, they are basically just playing the same instrumental tune twice. I wonder, does everybody just end up singing their own anthem twice? Ah. Or is it just more efficient? You just play it once. Yeah. And everybody just just sings contrasting lyrics. Exactly. God Save the Queen for about 50 years was this incredibly important rallying cry in Britain. King George III was a guy who was foaming at the mouth, but everybody liked him and hated his son, who was his heir. And so people used to sing, God save the king, almost believing or hoping it might have magical powers to keep him alive. Alex Marshall, the guy who wrote a book on anthems, went on a whole rant about it. There's almost too many reasons not to like God save the queen. It's not like the Star Spangled Banner, which has a massive range. It's quite an exciting tune to listen to. God save the queen is so simple, and it just plods along, you know. When you hear it, you can't get too excited about it. And the other big issue is, it just has absolutely nothing about Britain today. All it says is, we have a monarch, and we really like her to reign for a long time. And I love the Queen. I fully agree with that statement, but most anthems are at least meant to say something about your character. At the very least, they're meant to say your hills look nice, and ours doesn't even do that. And that's why, if you go to an English sports event, people don't get excited singing it. Ouch, more, boy, a lot of self-loathing. He really, really, that's rough. He sounds like Bez talking about his own fandom. Yeah, well, let's, uh, let's see if we can get excited about it. Here we go. I mean, did Tony have to pick like the longest version of that song? 
Oh, I don't know. Is that the longest version? It seems pretty long. Yeah, they did take their time, but it's one of There's the shorter of anthems we've we've done overall, clocking in just over two minutes. It felt like a lot of buildup before it even got to the God Save the Queen part. Yeah, there was a little buildup. I mean, look, it's nice to have a tune that you recognize. We all know it. Yeah. We've all heard that before. Yeah. But, I mean, to the point of that guy, it really is kind of... uh, It's nothing about, like, the people of England or what makes England great. Well, I don't even care about that because, like, we listen to anthems that aren't in English. It's like, I can read the lyrics and that's great. But when I'm listening to it, I'm not understanding the words, but they're just like... I mean, I recently listened to the Uruguay anthem again. It's a great. It's just fun to listen to. It's fun to like. This is this is sort of bland. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It is a little bland. Uh, we also, I mean, it kind of works, right? I mean, like the Queen's super old, and she's still she's still doing great. It is true, but it sounds like it didn't work when it was God Save the King. So maybe it it only works in, in one direction. Yeah. Now, I mean, that's interesting. It is, it's like a malleable thing. It changes based on the gender of the, of the ruling monarch. I mean, it's probably just God save the queen. Well, unless it's a king. But I don't think they have a king. But, but when they have a king, I'm saying. I don't think so. I think it was tongue in cheek. <laughs> uh, I think this is fine. It's like a four out of ten. Oh my God, Joe! What? I'm so oh. wrong. You're right. Yeah, of course it. Wait, I thought you were kidding. Of course it changes. Wait, Joe. Of course I was kidding. Ha 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 ha. <laughs> Good one, Dan. It's just, it's just another one of my hilarious kidding moments that I love to classic. do on the podcast. Classic, classic, Dan. That's a twist. <laughs> um, yeah, four out of ten. All right, noted. What's next, Joe? Not too many left. Category nine. All right. God save this podcast. This is it. This this category is like 80% of the, the meat left in this podcast. Oh. System of government and head of state. Thanks to super fans, uh, Bez, who already contributed to fan culture, and super fan Ryan. But super fan Ryan did not actually do it. So we're not going to know anything about the head of state, which... Might have been the queen. Might have been the prime minister. I don't know. He didn't do no it. No idea. So we gotta... God save Bez for actually still participating. Yes. The United Kingdom is a state made up of the countries of England, who qualified for the World Cup, and Wales, Northern Ireland, and Scotland, who did not. The difference between ah. England, Great Britain, and the United Kingdom can be confusing for non-natives, and even more so where politics is involved. England is a country of its own, which has its own football team, but not its own parliament. There is no English-only political body. Scotland is its own country and has its own football team and also has its own parliament that can make some taxation laws. Wales and Northern Ireland both have their own football teams and their own devolved assemblies. England, Wales, and Scotland are collectively known as Great Britain, and when these three countries come together with Northern Ireland, such as For the Olympics, they're known as the United Kingdom of Great Britain and Northern Ireland. The United Kingdom is a parliamentary democracy under a constitutional monarchy in which the monarch, currently Queen Elizabeth II, is the head of state while the Prime Minister of the United Kingdom, 
Currently, Theresa May is the head of government. Legislative power is vested in the two chambers of the Parliament of the United Kingdom, the House of Commons and the House of Lords, which is situated in one of the last working palaces in the world, the Palace of Westminster. Parliament is a wonderful and historic place that merges modernity with tradition like nowhere else. Well, that was exciting, Joe. So we, we really put a pin in that. Yeah, I mean, I mean, of all the different like upper and lower chambers we've talked about, House of Commons versus House of Lords is really the most the most insulting to the House of Commons, right? Like, I mean, like it's it's really just like derogatory to the the lower chamber. Yeah, I wonder if like they don't even put showers in the House of Commons. It's just like, we yeah, don't. yeah, there. There's no House of Commons gym. There's no pickup basketball happening in the House of Commons. It's like there are 400 members. There are like 250 chairs. It's just whatever. I mean, you know, I wish we had gone back and done this again. Well, I mean, I don't because I'm glad this is almost over. But um, <laughs> Me but, too. But I'm curious. Do they still wear wigs in British Parliament? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I was so wrong with my God save the blank that I don't even want to get into this because the answer has to be no, but who knows? Anyway, I mean, I'm pretty. It continues on. So maybe there'll be a wig section (laughs) coming up. He's really I mean, I had no idea because I I don't even read these in advance anymore. So that was just an amazing explanation of of the differences. Yeah. Yeah. No, it 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 would have been nice to have that at the beginning. So anyways, we're talking about Parliament here. And why it's so historic and great. One example of this is the annual opening of Parliament and the Queen's speech, where Queen Elizabeth announces the government's agenda for the upcoming year. Black Rod is sent from the Lord's Chamber to the Commons Chamber to summon MPs to hear the Queen's speech. Traditionally, the door of the Commons is slammed in Black Rod's face to symbolize the Commons' independence. He or she then bangs three times on the door with the rod. The door to the commons chamber is then opened and all the MPs talking loudly follow Black Rod back to the Lords to hear the Queen's speech. The, okay. I don't know if Black Rod is... Wait, is Black Rod a person? A people is or a rod? rod? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. So, the UK is known as the home of both modern parliamentary democracy and the Industrial Revolution. Two world wars and the end of empire diminished its role in the 20th century, and the 2016 referendum vote to leave the European Union has raised significant questions about the country's global role. Nonetheless, the United Kingdom remains an economic and military power with great political and cultural influence around the world. Britain was the world's first industrialized country. Its economy remains one of the largest, but it has for many years been based on service industries rather than on manufacturing. Since the 1920s, politics has been dominated by the three main parties, the right-leaning conservatives, the left-leaning Labour Party, and the centrist Liberal Democrats. Due to the first past and post-electoral system, the first past and Due to the first past the post electoral system, there are very few hung parliaments. However, deep political splits within the country have seen two coalitions in the last decade. The Labour Party is at a low point due to the lingering distaste of their decision to invade Iraq alongside the U.S. and also because they recently elected a very left-wing socialist leader. Despite this, the Conservatives have been unable to capitalize due to their own internal divisions and harsh budget cuts. 
Thankfully, the British Nationalist Party and the UKIP, both far-right nationalist parties, have diminished to the point of extinction. The country has been increasingly divided over its ties to Europe and in 2016 narrowly voted to leave the European Union. The decision has caused significant political and economic turmoil for the country in a time already blighted by nationwide austerity. However, in one ray of hope, superfan Emeritus Bez stood for election on May 3rd, 2018 to represent his local village as a town councillor. At the time of writing, the polls are still open. Will he become the country's new hope are merely a footnote to history. Wait, so Bez is actually, could be part of the government system that we're rating right now. Everybody, get out to vote. If you are in the town of whatever, (laughs) vote. Sheffield, Sheffield Wednesday? Wait, wait, no. Yeah. I think he's the Sheffield Wednesday fan, right? He, he mentioned Sheffield Wednesday earlier in his, his uh, explanation. Hold on. Hold on. I follow Bez on Twitter. Let me see if I can find an answer to this, if he, if he actually won his election or not. Okay. Well, while you're doing that, I am going to talk about Black Rod some more. Okay. Yeah. Can you... Black Rod, on what Black Rod is. is sent from the Lord's Chamber. I mean, it's just weird that something or somebody is called Black Rod because it really... I mean, if it is just a Black Rod, I mean, what else would you call it? It's confusing. Um, traditionally, the door of the commons is slammed in Black Rod's face to symbolize a common. But okay, then, so Black Rod has a face. Yeah, uh, but then Bez's this is where it gets confusing. Was, he or she the then 12th, bangs so three times on the door with the rod. So it's got to be a rod. Or no, maybe Black Rod is a person, but Black Rod has a rod. Yeah. Like, like, like Roddy Rod Piper, the wrestler. So it would be Black Rod's rod. Black Correct. Rod bangs the door with Black Rod's rod. But the, No, but the confusing thing is that Black Rod's rod is also a Black Rod. Yeah, okay. So Black Rod banks the door with Black Rod's Black Rod. I, it there's doesn't Black make Rod sense. Black Rod the person, and then there's Bla- Black Rod the rod. All right, Joe, just give it a goddamn score. You know what? What's interesting is Bez that Black Rod is... Email I'm looking us. at a picture. Black Rod is wearing black, and the rod is actually not all black. It's kind of gold and black. Oh, wait, so you're looking at a picture of Black Rod. Yep. Yep. Well, all right. Uh, okay. Uh, yeah, um, I mean, for Black Rod alone, for, for the fact that Bez might be part of this government, my goodness, uh, you know, 7 out of 10. That's big. But if he wins, I'm bumping it up. All right, Joe, a very few categories left. It might just be one. I'm not sure, because I have not. Let's go. Lay it on me. Well, I don't know. It might be two. I'm not quite sure. Okay. Wait, oh, okay. no, I did the wrong one. No, there are two. There's player to watch, and then player there is uh, uh, celebrities. Celebrity. All right, and next up we have, oh, the Joker. All right, let's talk about the player to watch. Let's do it. Oh, you really misdirected me there. It's a curveball there. That's a, that's a Black Rod moment. <sighs> wow. Uh, are you banging on the, the door? I bang. 
Just waiting for you to slam it in my face. Well, you got to bang three times. All right, let's do it. (laughs) Now, that's what Parliament should do. Yeah, that's what the Queen should just get up there, play that, and leave. All right. Of course, Joe, the top player to watch is your favorite, Marcus Rashford, who plays for Man U. Just the wrong choice. 20 years old. He's a winger striker. Fast player that likes to beat opponents one-on-one. Decent shot and finish. He scored 16 goals and 75 appearances for Man U and two goals and 17 appearances for England. There have been times, Joe. Times. Times. There have been times when players only needed to be under 24 to be able to run on a straight line to be considered the next English superstar. (laughs) this time around england actually has a number of exciting young prospects delhi ali playing a more defensive position raheem sterling already has gone through the hype and of course harry kane who david says is too big for this category would have been candidates here that is why marcus rashford gets the bid in fifa 18 your beloved he has an 81 with a 90 potential and david gives him a solid 7 out of 10. I'm going to completely ignore David and talk about uh, the fact that just today, I mean, this is what what luck that we're recording this today. Just today, it was announced that Harry Kane is not only on the squad, he's the captain wow. of the squad. Wow. That's big. It's so much pressure. <laughs> is he going to crumble? Well, um, no, I don't think so. I think, I think this is the year that England wins it all. Wait, is that under? It, it, who was their their goalie last time? Who's sort of a weird guy? It was like so animated. Oh yeah, um, yeah. No, I don't remember that dude's name. Yeah, is there? Is that that guy can't still be the goalie? I don't know. This is this is not. Um, This is not great podcast. <laughs> no. Uh, wait, was it uh, okay? Joe Hart. Joe Hart. Yeah, that was the guy. Very funny. He liked yelling at people, but he wasn't very good. I think it. It. I think it's Jack Jack Butlin now. I don't know. I don't know if it's him or Joe Hart. Joe Hart. Yeah, Joe Hart was the man man city keeper for a while, but he doesn't play for them anymore. I don't even know who Joe Hart plays for anymore. Yeah. Uh yeah no look I mean I mean there's a lot of play, you know Deli Ali Harry Kane uh there's a ton of Spurs players on the on the England squad this year uh it is um going to be hard not to at least root for those players I mean the one interesting thing that I don't really know um how to like square this is that when you root for a team like England, you're also you're then forced to also root for players that you hate during the Premier League season. Like who? Who's so your like, most hated player on the England team? Like I don't I don't like Marcus Rashford. Like he <laughs> like 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 he's he he he's on one of our rivals. <laughs> wow. Raheem Sterling uh played for Liverpool and I hated him when he played for Liverpool. Now he plays for Man Man City. It's it's not it's like uh you're also then forced to root for players that you spend 38 games rooting against. Yeah, but you gave like Dybala 
a really good score, even though he scored the goal that that knocked. But you I gave him that score Champions before League. beforehand. Had it happened after, I would have given him a zero. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, so this is tough. So the David's player to watch he picked is a player you hate, but the captain of the team, which he also mentioned, is your favorite player. Yeah. Yep. And like Kyle Walker is on the team. He left Spurs in, you know, in, in a, you know, not disastrous way, but a pretty bad way last year. Ignom, ignom, damn it. Ignominy, ignominy, ignominy. Uh, I ignominate Kyle Walker. On one side as right back and then as left back, Tottenham's own Danny Rose. Oh, wow. So, yeah, you know, it's, it's weird. It's weird. But look, I mean, I think obviously the whole point of the player to watch category is like, are there players that I'm going to be able to find a connection with who'd be exciting? Yes, there are young, great players on England. He should have picked Deli Ali at the very least as that young, great player for England. But, oh, Eric Dyer is on the team. My God. Uh, you know, it's hard. What am I not going to root for? 10 out of 10. What? <laughs> Why don't you just say that at the beginning and spare us? I think in these unedited podcasts, the one topic we can't actually talk about without like thinking is stuff related to football because I know nothing about it. You don't know enough. I mean, if you, you could talk about Tottenham all day long, I mean, you could literally talk unedited for two hours about Tottenham's manager. But when you're talking about, you don't even know who the goalie is? Come on. Well, there are, there are 31 teams other than England, who I also don't know who the goalie is. Wow, that's weak, Joe. I know one goalie. It's Hugo Lloris. He's the goalie for France. All right, well, I'm surprised you don't know Tunisia's no. goalie. And and Buffon. Uh, Buffon's not okay. in the World Cup. <laughs> I know, I know. Uh, okay, let's talk about celebrities, Dan. All right, Karsten says, Salutations. I've returned from my brief hiatus. I'm writing this from the... As Joe puts it, quaint town of Aberdeen, Washington. Are you are you rooming with Karsten right now? Karsten is here in Olympia. I was going to invite him on the podcast, but then it was too late. I didn't want to wake him up. Oh, no. Well, he said, Joe said you were recording this evening, so I'll make this a quick entry. But he actually sent this four days ago, so you lied to him. <laughs> <laughs> a few thoughts first. The unedited is great. It is what I imagine it feels like to be a woman and not wear makeup. The podcast in all its natural beauty. Also, the mystery episode was great. I listened to it on my commute to Aberdeen today. It was kind of neat how you scored the teams in groups. Maybe a way of scoring you could use for the next round. Hmm. I told you the format the format was great. People love people love it when you mix it up. Anyway, here is my lightning celebrity list. England. Honorable mention. Prince Harry and Prince William. It says Joe would be Harry. And Dan would be William because Dan is balding. Well, I mean, it's a hundred percent true. Well, I'm not balding. I am bald. I I recently cut off all my hair, which I also do like every two weeks. I think I think William needs to just embrace it, like you did. Yeah, he should. I, I'll tell you. Well, as I said, I mean, I said in this podcast why that damn Men's.com ad didn't read. The day I cut off all my hair was like it was the first day I, I felt alive. Like. It's weird. It's weird. I mean, because I, I was actually looking at some old pictures of something where you ha- had more hair because you hadn't cut it off yet. And you look, I mean, probably like 
five years younger with it all gone. Yeah. Well, it's, it's weird like that. I don't know why. It's a, a it's it's hot right now, but it's a trend. Like um uh I think uh, maybe even 10 years ago not as many people had all their hair cut off, but now it's like when you do it at like I'm like sleek and stylish now as opposed to, you know, clinging to your hair, it's bad because a you're clinging to it, but you're also missing out on this style that like you have an opportunity. It's like you are uh, you can't be part of this style. Like you're locked out. You can't cut off all your hair. It's also good because I think that the key move that you've done is coupling it with the beard. Yeah. Because it's like it, you're telling the world, I can grow hair. I choose to grow it in a different place than most people. Well, it's not like, saying I, choose to I grow it can't here. grow hair, but I don't have cancer. I think that's the look. It, yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's that my hair has not fallen out. I've intentionally chosen to shave it. But look, because here's other hair. It's like you're. It, it, it's like misdirection. Like you want hair? Here it is, buddy. Yeah. Oh, believe me, I got hair all over the place, Joe. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That's. And you're proving it right there with the beard. And by I the totally way, agree. any of our listeners, if they do have cancer, we're obviously pulling for you. But hair or no hair, I'll shave Live my. Strong. I'll shave my beard yeah. for anybody. Right. Do whatever. That's right. Hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, I won't shave my head, but I'll shave my beard. Yeah. Well, <laughs> I think you shave that anyways. Okay, honorable mention. Pre-solidarity, yeah. Kara Kara Knightley. Oh, yeah. David Beckham. Star Wars. Star Wars' own Kara Knightley. Uh, What? Which one? She was in... This was before she was famous. She was in The Phantom Menace. She was was the, the decoy Natalie Portman. Oh, man. Oof. She, she met her end. Uh-huh. Wow. I mean, that's, that's, that's the life of a decoy, man. That's what you're there for. David Beckham, as I said. Adele. He said you definitely oh, okay. like Adele. Uh-huh. Love Adele. Eric Clapton. Let me give you some Adele advice, though, Dan. Don't, don't ever try to do an Adele song in karaoke. Hmm. Yeah, she has too much range. Yeah. Not possible. Well, even if, obviously, she has range, but even not counting her range, it seems like she mostly sings in, like, notes that would be impossible to hit anyways. Oh, uh, yeah, right, exactly. Right, range of sight, even if she's saying in, in one of the notes, yeah. it's not possible. You can't yeah. hit that. And it's I think bad that's idea. a bad look, too, because I, I do like the karaoke from time to time. I've done some karaoke with Tony, who, by the way, is fabulous. Tony's Johnny Cash is, like, <laughs> unbelievable. You can't believe how good it is. But you, like, want to get up there and just, like, belt it out like Adele does, because you see Adele, like, singing those notes, and you're like, that just must be so fun to like belt out this yeah, note. Yeah, and you think totally, and you think, well, look, this is a very like vocal heavy song. It would be a fun karaoke song because yeah. you know you you right, you get to sing loud, you get to like be really and bold. You're with like, it, but no. I get to like belt out this note, and it's going to feel so fun. But you're belting it, and you're just like, this is like this is wrong. This is bad. It's a mistake. It's a and mistake, it, and it does I, sound I, I, bad. And the songs aren't short, so you realize it's a mistake so early on in the song, and, and you have to be up there for a long time. Yeah, and that's the worst thing in karaoke when you've like bitten off more than you can chew, and it like the note comes, and you don't want to be like the people who like give up. Like you want to. Yeah, no, you can't give up. The key thing in uh-huh. karaoke is like trying all the way through, but then once you're like so clearly not up for the task, it's just it's it's bad. It's brutal. It's a long. It makes it's a long song. Yeah, I mean, our next two entries: Eric Clapton. I think that's doable. Mick Jagger. 
I mean, that's like some like, I guess he gets sort of high too, but it's a lot of screaming. Yeah, I think yeah. you can make that work. And another one, I don't know if you should go for his singing style. Also, Harry Styles. Oh yeah, I mean that'd be tough. That'd be tough. It'd be tough. Anyways, he says those were all the honorable mention, Joe. And he says, wow, this is probably the only country that rivals U.S. in star power. Here we go, Joe. Bronze medalist. The only Harry that really matters. Captain of the English national team. Harry Kane. Yes. Silver medalist. Yes. Yes. Harry Kane. And the gold medalist, Joe. None other than the captain of the English national team. Harry Kane. Totally agree. He pandered to you. This is <laughs> Karsten. Karsten knows. Karsten knows the way to my heart. But look, star-studded field, Joe. I mean, what more? British celebrities—they grow on trees. There, it's it's like Australia, but I think the the British accent is a bit more like high scale than the Australian one. Oh, totally. I mean, I think that's the problem with the British accent is that you meet someone from England and you assume that they're much smarter than they are. I mean, they might be smart. They might not be. But like, you know, there's a certain expectation that comes with like a British accent. Yeah. It's like you've got that Cockney accent, like in uh, that movie. Um, what's that movie? My Fair Lady? Yeah. <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Snatch. You got that, okay, and it's like okay. any you could be the smartest person, and you have that accent, and everybody's like, "You must be dumb." It's, it's like a southern accent. No offense, right, to all of our right, southern listeners, right? Right. But right, you got the British accent, and it's just like this person must be smart. They're classy. They know everything. And then I think Australian accent is like right in the middle, a little bit. Like, I don't think you assume classy with Australian. Yeah, like I think the Australian maybe is more relatable. It's like. All right, this person is like obviously above the complete trash that is most Americans, but you know, they're not not even close to the level of like a British person. Yeah, no, no, I totally agree. I think that that uh that it, it, in terms of classiness ranking, it goes just speaking about English accents. I think it goes English accent then I think it goes maybe, oh, maybe like a, um, maybe like an Indian accent. Mm, yeah. And then it goes Australian and then American and then Irish. Yeah. Irish is bad. Scottish is really bad. Oh, and Scottish is below that. Yeah. yeah. I think that's the ranking. And then dead last is the Southern accent. Is a Southern American accent. Yeah. Is an absolute dead That's last. the worst. Yeah. Especially that, like, Florida panhandle accent. Oh, man. You make a lot of assumptions with that one. Hashtag MAGA. Uh, What am I rating here? You are rating these celebrities, Joe. Oh, yeah. Nine out of ten. Nine out of ten. Wow. And last but not least, Joe, the drink. What do you got? I mean, you know, I'm a a gin drinker. Beef eater's not my favorite, but it, it, you know, it has... I mean, come on. It's, It's a beef eater. The guy with the hat. Uh, and, and and the job that has to do with the castle. Uh, though I watched a documentary on beef eaters. Like they're they're real people who like have like, like a whole ritual. England's you know they're big on the ritual. 
Wait, so you're telling me those people that are obviously people are real people? Wow. Wow, Joe. But they have like interesting What do you lives, think? This I'm is saying. like Westworld? Come on. No, but what I mean is like they're not like – it's not like a Civil War reenactor. Like beef eaters still do shit. And they have like a lot of like things that like that like they have to do only because it's tradition. I'm just saying it's stupid. So are you saying um, is the is the documentary called when beef eaters let their hair down? Yeah, it, it, it's it, um, it's a reality show. The real beef eaters of of Westminster, or I guess for them it would be when beef eaters take their hat off. <laughs> um, yeah, this drink is like uh, you know solid seven out of ten. Solid seven out of ten, Joe. Total score for England comes in at Wait, how 64. Is, hold on, hold on. How is the maraschino cherry and gin? I mean, look, Joe. Maraschino cherries are so fucking good. <laughs> this is great. It was also vodka. It was vermouth vodka and maraschino cherries. And I'm actually chewing on the stem of one right now. I can't imagine that vermouth and... Mar- was it sweet vermouth? Uh, it was... <sighs> is it the dark kind or the clear kind? Dark. Oh, okay. That's better. I can, it, That makes sense. Yeah. Anyways, so I guess it's not a real martini anyways. Uh, total score, 64. Uh, average, 7.11, which is uh, very high. Uh, France was around that, 7.33. Denmark was around that, 7.17. Uh, wow. Other than that, I know Argentina was high. Oh, Argentina was 7.69. Uh, but there you go. So this is the fourth highest score. So far, obviously, all those other teams have passed through with flying colors, Joe. What say you about the three Lions? I mean, Harry Kane is the captain of this team and the captain of my heart. I have to move them on. Now, Joe, should we make Harry Kane the captain of this podcast? If we had an honorary captain, it wouldn't be Harry Kane. It would be you, Dan. Come on. Wow. I'm touched, Joe. I'm touched. Uh, I'm going to start wearing one of those captain's armbands for all future podcasts. Please do. It's expected. All right. Yeah, And I mean, it's it's a lot of responsibility. You, you, you have to take on a lot of leadership, Dan. Joe, when I sub out in the future podcast, I mean, oh, how great would it be if if like, you know, we have to do this whole Belgian podcast coming up. If like somebody like I, I looked over <laughs> and there was like an LED sign. They're like, hey. Dan, oh, you get if to someone go was to holding sleep, up your number right now. You get to go to great. sleep. Somebody else is going to pop right in here and do it. I would fling that captain's armband at them so quickly. It would be amazing. Yeah. By the way, there's zero chance where we're, we're going to record Belgium tonight. We'll talk about it in a minute. Oh, all right. Not going to happen. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> there you go. Look, you've substituted uh, us both out. I mean that's a that's a big sub that's like it's like a I thought you were going to be annoyed you sound so relieved this is great well I'm both annoyed and relieved like I'm annoyed that we're not going to get it over with but I'm relieved because uh, I'm uh, you know <laughs> I'd much rather not do it <laughs> <laughs> it's okay but it's it's only because of my respect for the Belgian people we need to give them their due credit I mean we have it's to do it tomorrow oh yeah yeah anyways why are we still talking about this we have nothing left to talk about um we already have the poll question it's obvious you are given shown to a dessert counter you have a choice of either ice cream pudding or cake what do you eat boom that's we need to know 
Do people need more detail? Like what kind of pudding? What kind of cake? No, no, we're just gonna let people no. figure it out. Your, it's your dream scenario. You can imagine whatever type of thing you want. I want to know when it's at the best. Well, you do it because I would say, in my ranking, the best ice cream is way better than the best pudding, which is way better than the best cake, because cake is garbage, Joe. I disagree. In t- well, it depends on the on the kind of pudding. I might even go the 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 full reverse order of cake, pudding, and then ice cream. Hmm. I mean, that's insane. I have to think about it. But like a good rice pudding or bread pudding, ooh, it's not bad. Ugh, gross. Some flan. Flan's a pudding. That's your pudding choice? I'm just saying, a good flan can beat ice cream. My pudding choice would be whatever goes inside a banana cream pie with like whipped cream on top of it. Oh, that's but good. I think, see, I think that's cheating because I think you're picking a pie, not a pudding. No, it's pudding. Because you wouldn't just eat banana a bowl cream. of banana cream. Yes, you I eat would. eat a bowl of banana cream pie filling? Yeah. Absolutely. You're eating, even that, you're eating pie filling. You're not eating pudding. It's, it is pudding. They put pudding in the pie. Uh, no, it's literally called pie. So is, is pumpkin pie just a, like pumpkin okay. flavored pudding? Yeah. Let's ask this. Have you ever eaten a strawberry before, Joe? Yes. No, that, that's pie filling, Joe. That's what goes in strawberry pie. That's not that's not a thing. All right, that's not a bad point. Yeah, thank you. I'll, I'll concede that. Yes. <laughs> that was that was well done. That was masterful. This is why we can't do a Belgium episode, Joe. I'm just peeking in my... It's, uh, true. it's true. You're You're just outwitting me. <laughs> I am the captain, Joe. All right, well... <laughs> There you go. I mean, look, I'm posting this tonight. It's unedited. You've I don't care. The, all right. The thing is, Boom. I'm not falling over drunk, so I'm not. I didn't waste too much time. Like I wish there was a way to live stream this. Like the last episode, I'm sure there is. Anyways, Joe, I'll I'll see you tomorrow. We, I mean, we've we've got to do it soon. So Belgium coming up. Great episode. Uh, but and it's past midnight, so I'll see you later today, Dan. Oh my god. All right. See you later today for Belgium, but. England's out. And if, if somebody listens to it tomorrow and gets some last-minute feedback, how fun is that? You'll get your feedback, and it'll just be read that night. That's going to be amazing. Talk about real time. That's fun. All right. All right, Joe. Good night, Dan. See ya. Mm-hmm.